Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about the cross as I comment on Psalm 22. Let's begin by reading Psalm 22, verses 1 through 6. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of people." Now, what we find very often in the Old Testament is that passages in the Old Testament, like this psalm, have applicability in its day and also applicability in the um, due time of God. So what I mean by that is David was talking about himself here, but he also was talking about a vision of Christ. The words that David spoke applied to himself, but they also applied to Jesus. So this psalm has been called part of the Holy Trilogy in Psalms. Uh, in Psalm 22, we see a vision of the cross. In Psalm 23, we see a vision of the crook. In Psalm 24, we see a vision of the crown. Each of these are a messianic psalm. In other words, each of these refer to Jesus as the Messiah. They talk of the Christ and of His life and His work. Now, they are thought to be that way because of the nature of their content or because the New Testament writers, including Jesus, referred to them to teach about the Christ, the Messiah. And of course, this psalm fits in both ways. In Psalm 22, David tells of his own situation when he's undergoing uh, um, uh, a, a time of persecution. But he also talks about a vision of the crucifixion of Christ. And it's a message about the cross. And so let's see that vision of Christ that David had that is sharing uh, that he is sharing with us today. The first vision that David has of the cross is a vision of reproach. Now, reproach here is a very powerful word in Hebrew. It means to be despised. It means to be scorned. It means to be defamed. It means to be dishonored. Like a police officer convicted of a crime, a soldier who is accused and convicted of cowardice before the face of the of the enemy or a child molester. This is a very, very strong word. It's a word of dishonor, of, of, of reproach. And I know I just defined it by itself, but it's a word of, of someone who despises someone or something. Now, sometimes we are wrong when we despise something. Nathan was wrong when he asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yes, there could be something that good that came out of Nazareth, and that was Jesus the Christ. Because we know that 
Jesus was the Christ, and He did come out of Nazareth. But we also know that the world despised Jesus. He des they despised the Messiah. And His children are also despised and rejected by the world. Jesus says, they're going to hate me and they're going to hate you too. So sometimes we're wrong to have a, an idea of reproach. The world is proud. It thinks it knows its own way. Remember Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way, or the poet that said that he was the master of his fate and the captain of his own ship and all that kind of thing. But what we ought to remember here is that while man proposes, God disposes. And God had a reason for the cross to be a place of reproach because of the sin of humanity being placed upon Jesus and God rejecting that sin and God not looking on it and Jesus taking it upon Himself on our behalf. It's a vision of reproach. David also shared a vision of rejection. Let's look at verses 7 through 18. All that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet, I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vestiture. So we see uh, in verses 1 through 7 a, a vision of reproach. What we next see in verses uh, 7 through 18, we see a vision of rejection, a vision of rejection. When things don't measure up, they're rejected. So uh, there is in, uh, in Louisiana, along the Mississippi River, a plantation called Nottaway Plantation. It is a beautiful place. Even today, you can go and you can tour Nottaway Plantation. But only the best timber, only the best wood was used in Nottaway Plantation. And in fact, some people believe that the word Nottaway came from the idea that if a piece of wood, a board, had a knot in it, it was thrown away, and the knot was cast away, and it was not away plantation. Only the best materials went into that plantation. Uh, so uh, this is an idea of the rejection of something that is not good, something that doesn't measure up. Now this rejection comes from the idea of reproach we saw earlier. Because, uh, because of being a reproach, uh, David and Jesus himself as well were 
were the focus of taunts and of jibes and of rude speaking. We also know that Christ's clothes were, um, were gambled for. He was rejected as a person, and the only thing valuable that they saw in Him at the cross was His clothes. However, here's the thing. Rejection based on false standards is deadly. In, in medical studies, there are two types of errors. There are false positives that can show a problem where none exists, or there are false negatives that can show that a problem does not exist when actually someone has a problem. Now, both false positives and false negatives can cause difficulty for a patient, but a false negative is even worse than a false positive. A false positive may mean you get treatment you don't need, but a false negative means you don't get the treatment that you do need, and that can result in death. So we have to understand that proper medical standards means to reduce false positives, but to drastically reduce false negatives. The world despises Jesus based on faulty standards. The world despised David based on faulty standards. And we see here a vision of reproach that was mistaken, followed by a vision of rejection based on that reproach. However, we see something else if we look at verses 19 through 26. What we'll see is a vision of rising up, a vision of reproach followed by a vision of rejection. Sounds bad, and it is bad. But in Christ, there was a rising up, and David had a vision of that rising up for himself, but also down the road centuries later for the Christ. Let's consider verses 19 through 26. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him, all ye the seed of Jacob. Glorify Him and fear Him, all ye the seed of Israel. For He hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither has He hid His face from Him, but when He cried unto Him, He heard, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear Him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek Him, your heart shall live forever. So when someone has been uh, under reproach and despised and rejected for false standards, to whom can they turn? Well, they can turn to God. The same God that Jesus uh, was in obedience to, to go to the cross, He was in the same uh, uh, God able to rise from the dead because He was God. The same God that David turned to is the same God that we can turn to. You see, God is the source 
of our strength. During World War II, uh, Stalin once asked the question, how many divisions does the Pope have? When the Catholic Church was making some statements about what should be done in terms of righteousness or some ethical question, uh, uh, Stalin said, they, they've got no power. But you see, the world looks for power in the wrong places, in popularity, in money, in politics, uh, in, in knowledge, in technology. The world looks for power in those places. But the only eternal power is from God. And when we look to His power, we are able to overcome. There was a story of an Iraq war veteran who was not able to get the appropriate treatment at a VA hospital. It happened to deal with the fact that she was a female, and I'm not sure of all the details, and they're not really appropriate for this place as, uh, from this forum as well. But what we know is this Iraq war veteran appealed to Congress, and through congressional intervention, she was able to get the help she needed at a VA hospital. There is a higher power out there. That's what AA tells their, um, their adherents to look for, that higher power to help them in their time of need. And we have a higher power. The veteran had a higher power in Congress, but humanly, spiritually, in our everyday lives, the higher power that we have is in Christ. Because Christ overcame the rejection of people. He overcame the reproach of people. He overcame the rejection of humans. And He overcame death. He triumphed over death and hell. And He rose again to conquer. He rose again and He broke the sword of His enemies. He rose again with life and with the power to give life. He rose triumphant over all His foes. And He will help us as well. So there may have been a vision of, of, of reproach and a vision of rejection, but there was also in this psalm a vision of rising, and we see that rising in Jesus Christ. And He rose not only to help His people, but also to rule. And in this psalm, we see a vision of ruling. Let's read verses 27 through 31. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, and he hath done this. What we see here is a vision of ruling. Christ arose. He had a, uh, David had a vision of Christ rising, and he also had a vision of Christ ruling. Because he arose, Christ had the authority and has the authority to rule. Only winners have the, uh, the power and authority to rule whether that be uh, someone who's a winner in his business or someone who's a winner in politics or someone who's a winner in sports, only they have the authority and power to rule. And traditionally, there was no appeal of a ruler's decision. See, there's no balance of power with God. There's no Senate and House of Representatives. There's no three branches of government. There's only one God. 
And that God is powerful and mighty and has the ability to rule. And Christ demonstrated that he has that power. He has that force. He has that ability. He defeated the toughest, uh, toughest enemy of all, death, hell, and sin. He overcame spiritual and physical oppression. No one exists that can match his power. And that's why the scriptures tell us that every knee shall bow on heaven and on earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But not only does he rule, verse 31 tells us, he rules in righteousness. They shall come and declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, and he hath done this. There's only one way that Jesus can rule. He rules with power, but he rules also with righteousness. I have a friend who used to tell me that no man can escape himself, and truly, God cannot deny his own qualities. Yes, he has power but he also has righteousness. God is good and righteous and loving and powerful. He is just and he is caring. He's all things because he is perfect. And God has chosen to limit his own rights for the sake of creation. And this righteousness that he has uh, chosen will be apparent. God is not slow. He wants all to be saved. He gives us all the Holy Spirit. He wants us all to be encouraged and to be led by His Spirit. As we've said recently, God covers us with His wings like a hen does her chicks. In this psalm, we see that David and the Christ both suffered reproach unjustly and incorrectly. But we see in this psalm, both David and the Christ rose from rejection and rose from reproach to rule with power and righteousness. David ruled over Israel. The Christ, Jesus, rules over all nations and all creatures and all creation. So let's rejoice in this. Let's take this as a vision of hope in our own lives. These are difficult days. Many are struggling in in their finances. Many are struggling with the culture that is becoming more and more um, uh, reproaching <laughs> and despising of Christians. Again, as Jesus said, those who love Jesus will be hated the way Jesus was hated. Yet, we can rejoice because we know that whatever we suffer, whatever we deal with on earth, it's only a small, short period of time, and we will reign with Jesus forever in heaven. And we will enjoy His presence, and we will reign alongside Him as His heirs, as His brothers and sisters. So, this is a vision of the cross. It's a vision of reproach. It's a vision of rejection. But it's a vision of rising and righteously ruling also. It's an encouraging vision, and I hope you will be encouraged by it today. I hope that you will find in this psalm an encouraging vision of our future together with Christ. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.